Are y'all ready? I'm ready. ready. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's go to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Michigan having a rough time right now with the Rona and such and the and the street riots and such. But this is 1959 when the Rona wasn't there. This week we are doing Aaron's Choice, Anatomy of a Murder. Dun, dun, dun. It's a riveting courtroom drama of rape. And, oh, man. And, <laughs> wow, I have Rape no and idea murder? What was. Well, it's really crime. Murder. Uh, murder, yeah. Rape and something and murder. There we go. Mm-hmm. Rape and something and murder. I can't remember. And actually, I'm going to need a lot of help when I do the... Uh, the uh, setting the table because I can't read a lot of my writing from Friday night. So, Aaron, the particulars. The particulars. Anatomy of a Murder was released July 1st, 1959. It was produced and directed by Otto Preminger. He directed 35 films, among them Laura, Carmen Jones, both of which we've done, The Man with the Golden Arm, Exodus and Nerd Alert, the film direct that he did directly before this was The Gone with the Bushes, often eluded. It was indeed Porgy and Bess, aka the Holy Grail of missing movies. Yeah. One day maybe. I read I went the the first um research that I ended up doing was reading a whole article on Porgy and Bess. And how come nobody can see it? Yeah, I'm going to have to read it. You sent it to me. At a oh, time I did? I, oh, good. Yeah, that I wasn't um, able to uh, spend that focus. Yeah, so many twists and turns. Maybe. Okay. there There is a print that is available, but people don't like it being shown. And there's some debate about it. And the Gershwin family, they didn't like the movie. They thought it was a piece of shit. And... I guess Sidney Portier, he wasn't a big fan of it. But it's got Sidney Portier, Dorothy Dandridge, right. Pearl Bailey, and Sammy Davis Jr., just to name a few. So it's crazy. Maybe one day. Is it because of uh like politically it's it's offensive? No, it's because the rights, the Gershwin family has the rights. Ele- supposedly they once they the rights reverted back to them they got up all of the film prints and had them destroyed but then some so people once think again that, the white man owns the black people's work well i mean this was like produced and direct i don't think this was like a movie done by black people it just had black people in it okay and it's it's a it's an interesting interpretation of it so it was preminger and he was up to his preminger things and so, and then also um, the Goldwyn family, I think Samuel Goldwyn, it was maybe his last production. Mm-hmm. And there, so there is a print. There's also a print that we actually know we can see it. We have to get credentials, which is supposedly not that hard because it's in the Library of Congress. So we just have to get like researcher credentials. 
and we can go and watch it. There was talk that that and then but here's the weird thing is that they say that there's a negative that can be restored and stuff, but nobody wants to pay for it and it's in the low six figures. And it's it's like this is Hollywood. Nobody has a million dollars that they can just Obviously they do. Where's Bezos? Will Smith. Where's, where's. But yeah, but I hear that it's just an interesting movie. It's isn't, it's got flaws. Okay. Don't we all? Yes. Anyway. Okay. So that, that was the movie directly in front of this. Okay, that has nothing to do with that with this murder. <laughs> and it's totally a gun with the bushes rabbit hole. That's just, yeah. That, that is, it's the holy grail of the gun with the bushes. Written by Wendell Mays. He also wrote The Spirit of St. Louis, Advise and Consent, Von Ryan's Express, The Poseidon Adventure, and Death Wish, to name a few. Based mm-hmm. on the novel Anatomy of a Murder by Robert Traver, a.k.a. John D. Vockler. Volker put the L in the wrong place. He was a noted lawyer, author, and fly fisherman from Upper Peninsula of Michigan. He was very ended up being very big time in the uh, Michigan Supreme Court, uh-huh. like a you know judge and whatnot. Um, the music by the Duke Ellington. Yes, Cotton Club. He was in Cabin in the Sky. He did Paris Blue, Black and Tan, famous jazz orchestra leader, um, and Billy Strayhorn, who's a jazz composer as well as huge influence on Lena Horne. The director of photography, Sam Levitt, also did the 1954 version of A Star is Born, Carmen Jones, Cape Fear, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, The Man with the Golden Arm, and The Defiant Ones. Edited, several of those. Mm-hmm. edited by Louis R. Loeffler. He edited over 100 films, including Laura, The Iron Curtain, The Cardinal, How to Marry a Millionaire. Titles are by Sal Bass, famous graphic designer. Also did he Car- did great on these. Mm-hmm. This is like his most famous. Carmen yeah. Jones, Psycho, North by Northwest, Ocean's Eleven, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, Goodfellas, Cape Fear. He also did the logos for AT&T, United Way, the Girl Scouts of America. He was an icon. Yes. Starring James Stewart. He was 51 in this picture as Paul. Really 51? Oh, my God. Based on my math, it was 1959, and he was born in, you know. <laughs> Whatever that means. We're in math, so we're going to go with it. Yeah, like 1908, I think. I, I don't know. Um, oh, yeah, that would be 51. Mm-hmm. Mr. So these are all the like I'm going to name a few of these movies and these are all movies that we have done. Yeah. Mr. Smith goes to Washington, the shop around the corner, the Philadelphia story. It's a wonderful life. Rear window and the man who knew too much. Yes. Man. And many more. That and will many come. more. Lee Remick as Laura Mannion. She was also in, remember we did her debut, A Face in the Crowd? Yes. She was also in The Omen and The Day of Wine and Roses. Ben Gazzara, he was Lieutenant Mannion, or as I know him as Jackie Treehorn in The Big Lebowski. This was his second picture. I thought it was a really young one for him. Uh Uh-huh, he was on the TV series 
1965 to 1968, Run for Your Life. I was in love with him then. What was that about? He had a terminal disease, and so he was just going to live the rest of what time he had left doing what he wanted to do. Oh, and he was rich? He had the money to do it, oh. but it, there was always a love interest that he couldn't get really interested in because he was going to die. Baby, I'm going to die. Yeah. Uh, if it's Tuesday, it must be Belgium, Husbands, Roadhouse, Buffalo 66, and the Thomas Crown Affair, to name a few. Arthur O'Connell as Parnell McCarthy. He was in Picnic, Citizen Kane, The Man in the Gray Flannel Suit, Bus Stop, and The Poseidon Adventure. Eve Arden as Maida mm -hmm. Rutledge, The Principal in Greece. I thought so. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. She was also in Mildred Pierce, Stage Door, and Bronx, Bronx Brothers, Marx Brothers at the Circus. Really? Uh -huh. Wow, I didn't know that. Catherine Grant was Mary Pillant. She, a.k.a., her name was Catherine Crosby. She was married to Bing Crosby from 1957 to 1977. She was uncredited in Rear Window during the party scene. Was in a few movies, among them The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Huh. George C. Scott as yes. Claude Dantzler, Dancer. He was in The Hustler, Dr. Strangelove, Patton, and The Hospital, to name a few. Orson Bean, Dr. Matthew Smith. On February 7th of this year, he was killed when he was hit by two cars in Venice, California, while walking. He two was at the same time? No, one car hit him, because he was in his 90s, and so one car hit him, and then he, like, was Staggered falling into. down, and then the other car hit him and finished him off. Mm -hmm. Um, He was... In Inner Space, being John Malkovich in The Equalizer 2, Duke Ellington was Pie I. Yes, he was. And Joseph N. Welch was Judge Weaver. He was chief counsel for the U.S. Army while he was being investigated under Joseph McCarthy during his army hearings and stuff about communism, you know, and McCarthy was on one. He's the one that famously said, at long last, have you left no sense of decency? In real uh -huh. life to McCarthy, which many people took as a turn in McCarthyism. They're like, that's right. We've had it. Come on. Yeah. Get out of here with this bullshit. Yeah. There are that the particulars. There we go. Okay. <laughs> well, we start with, it's a black and white movie mm -hmm. and, and jump in anytime. We have groovy graphics, Saul Bass, over the credits. Over the groovy Duke Ellington. With jazzy music. And we have Jimmy Stewart in an old convertible. I wrote Duke Ellington because... That's the soundtrack. The soundtrack. And he is in Iron City, City Limits. Okay, sounds sounds great so far. Sounds like Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> the Upper Peninsula. So that's the part of Michigan that is not the glove. That's the part that's next. You have to go to Wisconsin. You know oh, how you... Yeah, you have to travel that waterway, whatever it is. You have to go through... Sounds cold. Yeah, the waterway, or you have to just go through Wisconsin. I think people yeah. always forget. Kind of like how Virginia has that extra little piece at the end of Delmarva. Yeah. It's part of Virginia. Michigan has it. Didn't you vacation in Michigan? 
We did quite frequently when I was a little girl. It was cheap to rent a cabin on one of the many lakes. And my dad, <laughs> my dad loved it because he'd go fishing. My mother hated it because she had to continue to cook. And um, my sister brought a like a stack of books and had back then it was called a black cow when you had vanilla ice cream with root beer. She would make them by the pitcher full. That wow. summer, I think she gained 10 pounds that summer, just sitting there reading her books. I was able to to meet a, another girl there that became my friend. Um, I think it was supposed to be bonding for my mother, for my father and my brother, which never happened <laughs> in their entire lifetime. So it, there were there were lots. Of, yeah, it, so it sounds like it sounds like quarantine. Very much because it's a little cabin and. That's where Barbara thought that there was a bear outside the window. It was me snoring. Okay. <laughs> this is Michigan. Uh, Jimmy Stewart ha has his old convertible. Uh, he goes into a bar, and McCarthy is a friend of his. Uh, he just drove in. Jimmy Stewart parks in front of attorney at law sign, which is just a house. Yeah. And he goes in and he unloads numerous bags. It appears he has been fishing. And in that house was a sinklet, my grandma's. Oh, it was a farmhouse sink? It was it was a true farmhouse sink. I mean, it wasn't like, you know. Restoration nowadays. hardware farmhouse sink. Exactly. Now, I'm going to tell you that there is no dialogue in the first four minutes, 30 seconds of this film. Yeah, you're just getting, picking this stuff up with your eyes. You're, okay, he's an attorney, yet, but he's he loves to fish. He's working out of his house. There aren't really any law books around his house. So it seems as though he's kind of semi-retired, but not completely retired. I'm thinking this guy is just li loving his life. Living the life. Yeah. If you're up there in that part of Michigan, he seems super happy. His name is Paul Becker. Beagler. Uh, Beagler. And McCarthy shows up and he's drunk. And James Stewart is cleaning the fish he caught. Then Jimmy Stewart goes to the piano. Well, he's Paul now. And, um, McCarthy is worried about him because he's been drinking alone. Somebody <laughs> said, not worth salt for peanuts. I don't know who that was. <laughs> it's funny, like, what you decide to write down is also hilarious to me. <laughs> uh, and then McCarthy is trying to give Jimmy Stewart a pep talk about being a great lawyer. No, McCar well, Jimmy Stewart is also pep talking McCarthy. Well, okay. Let me interject, if I may. Please, as I have asked. So we find out that Beagler lost his, um, I guess he was like, what, considered an ADA, the prosecutors. He was the head prosecutor, and he lost an election. Some other upstart beat him. And so so he, he basically lost his job to this other city slicker kind of guy. And ever since then, he's just kind of running his law practice and it's very shoestring budget, but he would much rather prefer to just be out fishing. Um, but he does have like a secretary 
And so it would be nice to pay her. It seems so. It seems like he's supporting because this guy Parnell, he's also a lawyer, but he's not because he's in this moment a raging alcoholic. He can't <clears throat> hold a job or anything. But they're best friends, and that's the it just establishes this guy's life. Yeah, just how you would think Jimmy Stewart would be a nice guy taking care of people. Mm-hmm. Then we have a woman on a payphone. I said brunette because it was black and white, but actually she's blonde. She has big sunglasses on, and she's calling him to say, will you defend my husband? And that he had come highly recommended. And they were surprised by that because who's going to highly recommend him? And And wasn't she calling from, like, a tavern, like, basically a bar? It was she's a, she's a, a young woman who enjoyed her her bar time. And Don't blame her. nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And her husband's in the county jail, and she has an adorable dog with her. Muff. A man named oh, and then this is where uh, Jimmy Stewart was off fishing when this whole thing went down, and it's the talk of the town. Yeah, so, so, yeah, it's basically they're a small town and murder has happened. It's a hometown murder. It is. just like, And we would be, whoa. So Parnell, is, Parnell McCarthy is telling him a man named Bar- Barney Quill raped Mrs. Mannion. And her husband, who's a lieutenant in the Army, goes to Quill's place and plugs him. And then we have detective music. and you have to write that one down (laughs) and eve arden comes to the house takes the milk in and the mail in at the law office we find out she is the secretary and mccarthy's sleeping on the couch uh, so we realize she's the secretary um james stewart Oh, is driving to meet Mrs. Mannion, and we find out it's Lee Remick, because I didn't know that at first. Oh. And she leaves her dog outside. Outside. Did I say outside? You said outside. Okay, it sounded like I said outside. And she has a black eye that she's blaming on Barney Quill. And then uh, Ben Gazzara comes in in his military uniform. And he and his wife were very awkward. Yeah. It was like, that. this was weird. Okay, so Ben Gazzara and Jimmy Stewart meet in the sheriff's office. And Ben Gazzara says to him, how do I know you can handle my case? Barney Quill raped my wife, and the unwritten law is on my side. Well, you're making Ben, uh, you're making Lieutenant Mannion, played by Ben Gazzaro, way more likable than, at least in my opinion, how he comes off in this, especially the beginning. He's, I don't know. He, he just, I think he was miscast in this role. I never, there was never any sort of, I don't know, anybody else? I feel like he's very aloof. Yes. Yeah, but I feel at the very end, 
it, it all comes together. I mean, that's how he is. He's just not a great guy. Yeah, and there's some stuff later I, I'll get into, I guess, with my reheatables and, and stuff. He just didn't. I was like, oh, so this is what a... I know what a lieutenant in the United States Army looks like. And this guy... So then I had to go back and look. I'm like, was Ben Gazzara ever in the military? No. Because <laughs> there's just some body language and stuff, especially when he's on the witness stand. Where I'm like, no, an officer in the United States Army would not be on a witness stand with his arm just up. And... Just the way that he was asking questions and all of that, it just, he did not ring true as someone who had been in the United States and army at that. Mm -hmm. I mean, officer at that. Also, the cigarette holder? <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> it was oh like a gosh. carved ivory cigarette holder. What? lieutenant in the army would use that and he only used it for two puffs it was enough time for you to go what the fuck is that in his what mouth exactly. and he then takes it out and puts it away there was so much i instantly was like this motherfucker's guilty but i mean we know that he was guilty because he that's never been in question he no, always said that he, he shot he said on the lung yeah he killed it yeah okay um but they did mention the lighter. I kept waiting for the lighter to come back and be something. So I think maybe something was cut because because uh, Jimmy Stewart said, wow, it's nice lighter. They made a point of mentioning the lighter several times. And she had a lighter just like it. So I'm like, right. this is Chekhov's lighter. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um so they are going through Ben Gazzara, Lieutenant Mannion's previous, you know, past life. And his first wife divorced him because of cruelty. You know, cracker crumbs in the bed and all. <laughs> and this is his second wife. And her first husband was somebody in his outfit. So, you know, he didn't mind, you know, taking the wife of somebody in his outfit and then they had no children none that he knew of and he used and, and mrs mannion what did she, okay this is very controversial oh hot take hot take she did not appear to me somebody who had just been raped and her husband had killed the person who raped her i, she I was very confused yeah by the whole portrayal of what she was yeah i don't know i was confused because she she i mean uh maybe it's it's her it was her mo i mean she flirts with everybody but um but, uh, so um lieutenant Mannion says he used a luger to kill quill i mean come on he used the best <laughs> and no he did not see quill rape his wife and his wife took a lie detector, and the results were inconclusive, I thought. But then later we heard that, that the results were in her favor. Yeah. And that she asked for them to take the test. She asked yes. them to take a lie detector test. Yes. And we find out later that, that she... 
she had to swear to her husband that she had been raped, that she didn't willingly go with dude. On the rosary. Also, okay, because I also had the same sort of hottish take of like, huh, I'm, I'm used to, I'm used to like, you know, just real sort of seeing the trauma. And, uh, then, trauma, I'm, yeah. and then I'm like, well, everyone react, reacts to trauma different ways. And then I had the super dark take of, Maybe this wasn't her first rodeo. You know? Like, maybe... Ah. Like, it doesn't take away that she was violated, but maybe it had... That was just her life. How sad yeah, is that? she knew that... Because she's a flirt, so, so knowing that sometimes her flirting gets to the point where somebody else misreads her and violates her... That could have happened before. And who yeah. knows what kind, what her childhood was like, and mm -hmm. if you know. Yeah. So then I, then I was like, oh, that's dark, Aaron. But it's very <laughs> interesting to see now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we have Jimmy Stewart and McCarthy at a food truck eating hard-boiled eggs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, I, yeah. I mean, I don't hate it. It's just funny to imagine. Well, especially now, imagine to go out somewhere. Like, what do you want to eat when you're and you're out somewhere? Oh, you got any like, hard-boiled eggs? I don't know, though. My old partner at, at work, she would get two hard-boiled eggs. She would never make them at home. She bought them from the coffee shop across the street every morning. She would buy two hard-boiled eggs and eat them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It does make sense. Lots of protein. And Adam and I would always be like, why don't you just make your own hard-boiled eggs? Because you're spending, like four dollars for these two hard-boiled eggs but then now that we've been making them at home you realize it's because they're so hard to peel exactly oh i see yeah because well, i would I, get hard-boiled eggs at 7-eleven but i still had to peel them yeah oh no you gotta go to gregory's um and at this point jimmy stewart i think Okay, this is a little fuzzy to me, so help me out. <laughs> I have not the right lawyer for Lieutenant Mannion. I'm not sure if Jimmy Stewart was saying he wasn't because at one point McCarthy also said maybe you aren't the right lawyer because I think you're afraid of getting licked. Nobody? Okay. Uh, oh. I, I know that the McCarthy and he had a whole bunch of go-betweens because he yeah, was they deciding had a lot of if he was going to take the case or not. But ultimately, it was like, well, what other, you know, what other, you don't have any other cases going on right now. And you need the money because you have to pay the secretary that you don't pay. Um, it, it To me, at this point, it was obvious they were sitting in front of a blue screen or a green screen or something. And Jimmy Stewart says to McCarthy, only one thing more devious than a Philadelphia lawyer, and that's an Irish lawyer. Because I think he could see that McCarthy was trying to talk him into taking the case by telling him he wasn't good enough to take the case. Oh, I see. But I think, I think he was thinking like, well, what kind of case is this? Can I get this guy off? Because he's already admitted that he shot the right. guy. So the only thing I have to do is I have to come up with a defense. And then is this the part where he goes back to talk to Lieutenant Mannion? This is the interesting thing that 
lawyers, when I read about it, say they say that they wouldn't. It gets sticky because they they wouldn't charge him with whatever lawyer misconduct it is. But they they teach this in law school because when he goes in and sits down, usually the defense attorney is like, you know, tell me everything that happened. So you once you tell the lawyer, you're kind of like, that's what happened. And then he, and you're supposed to be honest with your lawyer so that then he could come up with the he or she. They can come up with the best defense. But he doesn't do that. He lays it out and he's like, since you've already admitted to it, there's only three things that we can three defenses that we have. Uh, there are four, there are four ways to defend a murderer. Yes. One is it wasn't murder. Two is he didn't do it. Three, it was justified or self-defense. And four is excusable. And the time element with this case meant he couldn't be excusable. Yeah, because she, he, the case, she was at home all day in their trailer. He comes home from work. She wants to go out because she's been stuck in the trailer all day. He takes a nap and she's like, fine, I'm going out. So then she goes to the bar without him, her husband, and then she gets driven home by the quill guy and he rapes her she comes in and also he beats her she comes home he the husband sees her and then an hour later he goes to the place where the tavern that quill owned and plugs him so there was that hour of well if, if you came home and she told you why did it take an hour for you to go kill the guy. Right. How is that not premeditated? Yeah. Um, Jimmy Stewart says, I'm not telling you to do anything, but you have to stay within the measure of the law. Yeah. So he doesn't. So Jimmy Stewart doesn't say, you tell me what happened. He's just like, these are the four things you think about it. I'm going to come talk back and talk to you later. Right. Jimmy Stewart says, your wife was raped. You you need sympathy from the jury. You need a legal excuse for killing Barney Quill. A legal excuse. And so uh, Ben Gazar is trying to figure out what that means. You know, what am I supposed to say here to get myself off? And he goes, I must have been mad. And Jimmy Stewart says, a bad temper isn't an excuse. And then Ben Gazzara goes crazy. And Jimmy Stewart says, you're getting warmer. See? So then it's, he doesn't, that's why it's that murky of witness coaching. Yeah. And then Jimmy Stewart says, I want you to just sit here and think if you can remember just how crazy you were. So they're like, oh, that's that's a little murky. Jimmy Stewart goes back to his office. His secretary's there. They have banter. And in the office is Lee Remick. And evidently, pants were quite, like, provocative for women to wear pants. Yeah, they weren't supposed... They... Yeah. It was... (gasps) Remember? Catherine Hepburn caused quite a stir because she was wearing pants. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, Jimmy Stewart goes to light a cigarette for Lee Remick, and and she says, "Never mind, I have." And she has the same lighter as her husband. That's when I went. This lighter is going to come back. And she's saying, "Yes, it was a happy marriage." And Jimmy Stewart's offering her beer. Yeah, is this when she gave the beer to her dog? Yes. yes. And then she's like, oh, can, I, can he have one too? He'll go right to sleep. <laughs> And he does. He takes the yeah. sips and goes right to sleep. Like, did he pass out or did he go to sleep? Because it kind of the way he drank it and performed the stunt, the the dog seemed like the dog was passed out. Yeah, he. Went, but I also felt when she was like, "Oh, you're not gonna have one too." Like, you know, you just gonna let her drink by herself. Yeah. Well, but she would. Jimmy Stewart was also trying to get the lay of the land with because when he brought her in and the chilly reaction that the husband gave her he knew that something was up between the two of them right. and you know he doesn't know yeah. this woman and then and then also she was just being very flirtatious very which mm-hmm. goes into my whole theory of that this that uh i guess her name was laura laura Mannion just had a she was just serially abused in her life and so the only way that she knew how to talk to men was by flirting exactly okay so he says tell me your story so she says 8 30 i went to quill's bar i was playing pinball oh she was using those hips but that's how you play pinball (laughs) you try not to tilt but you have to use your hips on the machine um so Barney challenged her to a drink or something. Then she got in Barney's car. They went straight to the trailer park. He um, he couldn't drive into the park because Mr. Lemon had already locked it. But Barney says, I know another road. At this point, Jimmy Stewart says, doesn't a woman instinctively know when a fella's on the make? Um. And so she she said that Barney said, I'm going to rape you. He tore her panties off. He did what he wanted. Uh, The medical um, doctor said she had not been raped. And she said a woman doesn't mistake these things. And then Barney was driving really fast. At one point, they had to throw Muffy out the car door yeah i didn't get that and then he was uh, back in the car yeah and he had a light barney fell on top of me somehow she got off she ran to the trailer muffy was able to put a flashlight in his mouth and lead her back to her trailer Mm. oh yes um then leaves and McCarthy comes in. Oh, so Jimmy Stewart leaves. McCarthy comes in. Jimmy Stewart says he's going shopping and and tells McCarthy, I need you to lay off the booze because I need you to be my right-hand man on this. And McCarthy says, I might manage to be a real lawyer again. And I was like, McCarthy, you're just going to, you're a stone-cold alcoholic you're not even a functioning alcoholic my man and you're gonna go cold turkey off the booze good luck um 
so back to Ben Gazar is talking to Jimmy Stewart. He says he remembers being at the bar with a gun, but he doesn't remember shooting the shots. He just remembers like hearing them in the distance. Somebody else was shooting. Um, Jimmy Stewart says, uh, okay, you're going to have to pay for this. It's going to be $3,000 for taking this case. Do we know and what that is? In I forgot to do my math. Oh. And um, he said, well, next week is payday. I can give you 150 and then write you a promissory note. Yeah, because he was going to be $26,431. Wow, which is wow. a lot of money, but like lawyers are expensive. Especially for something like murder. Yeah. yeah. Come on. What are you expecting? Because they put in all those hours with the research, and mm -hmm. some of them have people to pay, like in The Good Wife, you know, the <sighs> investigators so and behind. such. But then, so then he was happy because he needed a, a loan from the bank for his law practice. Beagler, Jimmy Stewart does. So with the promissory note, in that time... He could go to the bank and say, look, I'm getting this amount of money. This guy promised me the amount. And so then he could get a loan. I only remember promissory notes from when we played life back in the day, the game board life. Mm -hmm. It's the only time I ever heard of promissory notes. Okay. Jimmy Stewart goes to the district attorney. The guy that beat him in the election. Yeah. So it's his old stomping ground. Mm-hmm. And they decided they're going with an insanity defense. Then Jimmy Stewart goes to see Lee Remick, the wife. Uh, Jimmy Stewart's in the hallway, pre-trial stuff, talking to the DA about pre-trial stuff. There was a lot that happened there, but I didn't get it written down. Um, he goes into his old office. There's the old typewriter. There's an old-time massage chair. That was funny. Oh yeah, that it looked like the chair that my brother made. Remember when he made Christine, your husband made his own lounge chair one time and it was the most rickety. It was an oh, old so office chair and it was like a lounger, but you had the only way you could be in it was to have every single muscle in your body tightly flexed. And you're just like, "Oh yeah, it's so comfortable." You're talking shit about your lounge chair. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> he almost got impaled by it. He almost got, yeah. Okay, then um, Lee Remick meets Jimmy Stewart at the courthouse steps, and Jimmy says, let's go sit in my car. Well, Ben Gazar is looking out mm -hmm. his window, seeing Lee Remick flirting with Jimmy Stewart. And Jimmy Stewart looks up, and he's like, damn, man, like... There is something going on between these two, and I gotta make damn sure that the prosecutors don't get any sort of wind of this. Yeah. So then he's saying, "Okay, so your story. Where are the where are the undergarments? Where are those panties that were torn off you?" And she said, "I don't know where they are. I found my glasses." And Jimmy Stewart says, "You wore glasses through that." <laughs> um, and then he tells her the lie detector was in her favor. Okay, I'm reading a lot here. She had really tight clothes on, and her blouse was doing the gaposis thing. Yes. I mean, she was... 
she was very much in playing that like the they're making her out to be you know the the classic victim blaming like yes. she was asking yeah. for it. like whatever yeah. happened to her was her fault because she went to a bar without her husband and what did she think would happen wearing those clothes yes exactly and so jimmy stewart keeps pressing the point of did your husband have reason to be jealous as in has this happened before well and also because she got married to her current husband three days after she divorced her other husband right which means that while she was married she was carrying on with yeah so Jimmy Stewart arrives at the bar where the deed did indeed happen. We see pinball. We see chairs on tables. It hasn't opened up. We see a did, lot of barn. Was anybody oil. else just feeling nostalgic? Of like, oh, that just seems like a nice place in the summertime. Yeah, they probably exactly. have like some barbecue, get some beers, a nice breeze going. Um, yeah, because it's not going to be too humid up there. Uh, and there are lots of articles and framed pictures of Barney Quill uh, wrestling and with guns. And so there were three places behind the bar for him to have handguns concealed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading from a piece of paper that looks like this. What in the world? Did somebody so, take a bite out of your paper? I don't. No. And so um, then the bartender comes in. Were you here the night Barney was killed? I don't want to talk about it. I mean, I don't want to talk about it. that right to not talk about it. Then we start hearing about Mary Pallant. She is the, now the manager of the bar and she will inherit the bar. Mm-hmm. She's in the estate. Um, and so, of course, you're thinking right away, oh, okay, they had a thing going on. Uh, Jimmy Stewart and the bartender had banter, but the secretary, Eve Arden, went to the manicurist and she got all the scoop. She got the scoop on everyone in the town. She knows everyone's business now. So... um Jimmy Stewart talks to the enlisted men who were part of Ben Gazzara's outfit mm-hmm. uh, looking for character witnesses. And they're going, we'd like to, but we're moving out to Berlin. And also that's their lieutenant and they're enlisted. So I... good luck, my guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then Jimmy Stewart's in a restaurant and Eve, uh, Mary Plant is the um, the hostess. The hostess, um, but her the darts in her dress. May, I mean, she, okay. When I was first ready to go bra shopping and get a bra, so this was in the sixties, in like a Macy's, let's say. And so I remember being in a dressing room, you know, like all befuddled and, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. And there was a woman in the next dressing room saying, this bra makes me look like the front of a Cadillac. That's what I thought of when I saw <laughs> Mary Pelaine's darts. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
that's not what what took my attention. I'll get to that later. Uh, the feather in her hair. I mean, the feather of the the featheredness of the hair around the uh, part. The bang situation. Yeah, it's. Uh, um, so they talk with Palant a little bit. Anybody have anything for here? <laughs> They just talk because Jimmy Stewart was smitten with Palant and they're talking about Palant, but he doesn't know that the hostess is Palant. And so then Eve Arden is telling all this, the gossip that they got from the manicurist and stuff and how nobody could confirm it, but it seems like there probably was something between the two and she was pretty. And so he's like, oh, we have to talk to her. And it's like, and, you know, Eve Arden is her classic like you know look like you already met her it's her that's her and so he's like does this jimmy stewart no and then they kind of have like a conversation and yada 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 but but it doesn't go well because he jimmy stewart says uh something about barney raping mrs minion Mannion. And she gets up and leaves. She's yeah. not going to listen to this. Okay, then Jimmy Stewart go, goes back to the um, prison to see Ben Gazzara, and another prisoner is messing with him on purpose. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, because his wife I, hasn't been to see him. See him in two days. Yeah. And then the, the guy says something about, like, I'd get real pissed off if if my wife who looked like that. So he kind of basically, you know, is like, damn, that's your wife. And so then Ben Kazar gets mad and, like, does a weird move where he, he's not choking him. He's just pressing his face into the bar kind of thing. It, it, it just seemed very stagey fighting. Yeah. And... When he's around her, he gives her no attention at all. But if somebody else mentions her, uh, okay, uh, he has issues. Well, now we have a jazz ensemble. Yes, with POC. and Jimmy Stewart on the piano. I doubt that he was really playing. He is a pianist. Really? Yeah. So he was really playing. He played he uh, he played the piano in many of his films. I looked it up. But was he playing there? Because I could see like, oh yes, I dabble in drums, and then if I'm in a movie next to Questlove, all of a sudden uh, maybe I'm not so playing the drums. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, you're like me with my flutophone. Yeah, not rolling into it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I'm sitting next to Duke Ellington. I'm thinking that Duke gave him, you know, like some easy stuff to do. But I feel like he was a part of it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's a USO function, and Lee Remick is there and drunk. <laughs> so Jimmy Stewart pulled her outside. <laughs> what is that? Convo, maybe. Um, you need to go see your husband every day. Oh, and by the way, you're going home right now. And listen to me. Okay, I have it written down. You're going to be a meek little housewife with horned-rimmed spectacles. Oh, look at you. You're going to stay away from men and juke joints and heels 
and you're gonna wear a skirt, low-heeled shoes, and a girdle. Save the jiggle for your husband. Mm. <laughs> Damn. Wow. So he, he puts Lee Rimmick in the car and he drives and he says, where's your trailer? And uh, so they go back to the scene of the crime and she's going, I'm lonely, Paul. Um, he's awful lonely. And then she goes to her trailer. Muffy comes out. Want to come in, Paul? You can if you want to. Um, and then. Okay, then we go to the courtroom, and there is a case before this one about some dude who stole whiskey, but he didn't sell it. He drank it all. Oh, no, I, oh, I forgot to put that. It was my best reheatable because he, it wasn't just whiskey. It was bourbon. Yes. So the guy broke in and and just drank an expensive bottle of bourbon. I, and in my head, I imagined it was like Pappy Van Winkle. Pappy Van Winkle, that's and, what and, I and he, too. and he drank it, and they're like, well, it was worth, you know like $500 or something. And they're like, well, what are you going to do to pay restitution? He's like, I don't have any money and I can't give it back. And they was like, why not? He's like, cause I drank it. <laughs> and he's like, I, I know I gotta, I know I gotta have restitution. I'm fine with that. Yeah. He was like, that's, and I was like, Oh damn. Look at that. Just man. Okay. This has been one hour. All right. There you go. We're about to spoil it, so if you are enticed, this is, if you love in Law and Order, the order part, and you're always like, I just want the order part of Law and Order, right. this is the movie for you, because this it shows- It is a great courtroom from, murder case. It is, and they teach it in law school, it's from arraignment to the end of the trial. Mm -hmm. There you go, crash course. And so we're to POCs, and we have... I counted... So there were four in the band, plus Duke Ellington. Mm -hmm. So that's five, plus two porters at the train station. So a total oh, of, of six. No people station. of color in the courtroom. In the, On the jury. None in the... The only people in the bar were the ones playing the music. Yeah. They were doing a good job of that, though. Mm -hmm. Okay, Aaron, nerd alerts. All right. didn't give us many as we, as we set the table. Nerd alerts. So this was also in 1959. The movie came out. So a lot from last week. Alaska, 49th State. Fidel Castro arrives in Havana. Motown Records founded. The Day the Music Died. Richie Valens, Buddy Holly, a big bopper die. A Raising in the Sun opens on Broadway. Miles Davis records Kind of Blue. The First Little Caesars opens in Detroit. What? Oh. And the 14th Dalai Lama is granted asylum in Italy. I mean, in India. India. There you go. Mm -hmm. They both start with I. Exactly. And the novel is based on a real case from July 31st, 1952. Lieutenant in the Army Coleman A. Patterson killed Maurice Chenoweth. Basically, exactly what happened in the movie Mm -hmm. Film historians call the soundtrack, quote, a landmark, the first significant Hollywood film music by African-Americans comprising non-diegetic music. That is music whose source is not visible or implied by action in the film, like an on-screen band. Um, it also rejected a strict adherence to visuals in ways that presaged 
the new wave of cinema in the 60s. So it was very much ahead of its time. And mm-hmm. it won three Grammy Awards. Oh, wow. In so the um, Irresistible Impulse in 1994, that's how Lorena Bobbitt was found not guilty. Go Mm-hmm. And in 2002, though, the, in California, the penal code abolished the defense of diminished capacity. And so you can't use it in California because they were like, everybody's going to freaking claim that. Um, but then in other states, they have it and they have what's known as like the McNaughton variant, which is the policeman at the elbow test. So if you commit a crime and you want to use this, you have to, because usually when it's a, when a crime is committed, it's on the prosecution to prove that you, the defendant, are guilty. But if you want to use this irresistible impulse as the reason that you committed the crime and that you can't be held criminally accountable, then you have to prove it. Then it becomes the burden of proof is on you. And a lot of states have different test and one of them is called the policeman at your elbow which basically says if a policeman was right next to you at your elbow would you have still popped off and done exactly what you did so and you have to prove that you would yeah yep so those were my nerd alerts any other nerd alerts i don't have any um i just wrote that the film contained words that had never been heard in American films, such as yes. contraceptive, climax, and spermatogenesis. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just uh, the word panties sent everybody in a in oh a my God. They just giggled. <laughs> and that Otto Preminger loved both jazz and law. Yes, his father, I have that. His father was a district attorney and attorney general for the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and he really? himself formally studied law. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I guess these are also tasty tidbits, but they're also kind of nerd alerts. I mean, you already talked about them using this in law school, but the American Bar Association rated this as one of the best trial movies of all time. Wow. Mm-hmm. And did you already talk about the real life murder that this was based on? I just mentioned that it happened. The daughter of the real life murder victim from the 1952 case tried to sue Dell Publishing and Columbia Pictures for this um, because they, she said that it portrayed the women in an unflattering light. And but it, it was dismissed. And it was um, like they didn't change anything. From real life, basically. Oh, it was wow. Close yeah. to real life. You could totally tell it was based on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they even shot, well, it's in like the Tasty Nuggets. They shot like a block away, the same area, everything. Yeah. Okay. Reheatables. Oh, okay. Um, I, the court, I mean, just the courtroom part. I felt like it was very, well, okay. The courtroom scene, I mean, it's like not a scene, I guess it's the, it's like two hours of the movie, but (laughs) (laughs) both my good and bad were heatable. So the good part about it, are we doing good or bad first? Uh, Usually bad, but whatever you want. I'll start with bad then. The, like, 
you could never laugh like that in a courtroom these days. I wondered like, when they were like, um, when he was like, how would you describe? I don't remember. He was he was interviewing somebody, and he was like, how on the stand? And he was like, how would you describe Miss Manning's appearance? And he was like, she was a mess, and everybody just started cracking up in the courtroom. And then she was raped. Yeah. And then just how everyone was laughing every time they said panties in the courtroom. And, like, they couldn't think of... Oh, that's a quotable, I guess. Um, so I wrote when everyone LOLs about panties. Um, also, just something that I didn't quite believe is, like, how does any... Who remembers that much about their panties? When she was, like, talking about... Not me! I, I, I kind of do now, just because I wash them so often. Like... <laughs> Well, you know what? One thing my mom told me is to never wear um, bad panties. Raggedy. Yeah. Yeah. Because she got in a wreck one time and they had to like. She was the one? She was like, there was like a cute, like a cute EMF, like a guy, whatever they are, EMT or whatever. (laughs) And so they might see your pants. Like, you never know who's going to see your panties. My mother used to say, you never know you might get in a wreck. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know it was your mama. <laughs> no, oh man, now we know. Well, I think she did, or maybe I changed. Maybe she was just—I don't know. Either way, I got a—I got a solid rotation going of four, and I'm pretty intimate with them. So, <laughs> mine are starting to. Yeah, there are certain places where yeah the rubber's coming through. Okay, um, Aaron, would you like me to do my well, Was that all of them? Because I did also, because you were, you had not too long ago, Christine, witnessed a trial, right? Yes, I was a juror on a murder trial. So I, when I was watching that's this. That's why I loved the courtroom part so much, and I thought it was so accurate. Yeah, that's what I wanted to know. Because like, oh. when they were like, oh, and they said something, and then they were like, she was like, when the judge instructed and was like, jurors for, like, don't use that when they say something that you're not supposed to hear or like they're like and they were like how is the jury gonna forget they heard that they're like they're not yeah and that definitely happened where they would say things or like present evidence and then they'll be like they would be like jury don't use that or like forget that you yeah basically be like jury forget that you saw that Mm -hmm. like you can't um what about how quickly they got the jury Cause I like it took three days and it was just a burglary case that I was on for them to be like we all had to it wasn't the group. Well, look, they only had two hours and forty minutes to fit all this stuff in. (laughs) (laughs) We really want to go through jury selection, but yeah, my jury selection took two days. But you gotta remember, it was nineteen fifty nine, so they didn't have as many rules set in place. I feel like as far as like. Because nowadays you're like you got to make sure you have X amount of women and X amount of yeah, you know, they they obviously just needed white people on there. They but, did. You know, they, they that's all they did. Middle to old white people. Yeah. Middle do do any of you all know people. any of these? And that was the thing. I was like, how do they not? It's the town. Right. They would have like somebody would, but okay. Yeah, that was very easy when they were like, nobody's heard anything about this. You don't know anybody, and they were like, no. Yeah, impossible. It was a murder. But yeah, that's why, I mean, that I had, um, my attention span is not great, but I was very into the courtroom. 
I want because I'm like, oh, this is gonna. I wonder is is her attention span gonna stick with it? Cause she had that courtroom, or is it? Have we lost her? I don't know. I came back once I got to court. <laughs> and they, I mean, like, that's, like when you agree, that's exactly how they do their opening statements and stuff. I didn't. I didn't like, make I it remember, to opening statements. Oh, that's right. I remember when I first was like, like when I, we actually went to trial and they did their opening statements. I was like, oh my god, this is just like the movies. <laughs> <laughs> they were literally stood up there and were like, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I am going to prove to you today. And I was like, oh my god, this is just like the movies. And maybe it's because that's what they've seen in the movies. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it works. So yeah, I just thought that was, I mean, I just, the negative from that, the only thing I just didn't think was believable was how much they were um, laughing. But I will say like the parts when they were like chattering back and forth when with, what's her name that worked for him? The keyboard lady? Yes. Yeah. Um, like before I went, to court, I didn't believe that you could do that because I just thought you'd be completely silent in the courtroom. Yeah. But like they would really do that and like chatter with each other while the other pe- like people were doing their case. Mm. I thought it was a very great representation. Nice. Well done. We have the teeny stamp of approval. That's all that matters. So. <laughs> well, I thought it was negative that she gave her dog beer. Oh. Ah! That's my good. Well, I have it on both. Um, well, okay. Ben Gazzara's cigarette holder, definitely a negative. Yes. The massage chair, the darts on her dress, the feather hair. He is tying a fly, a fisherman's, a fly as the trial's going on? Yeah, because it helps him think. And then also, it's what got him in with the judge. Yeah, it is. And and I and everything is calculated. Yeah, he's a yeah. lawyer. Um, when they are talking about Lieutenant Mannion's wife, instead of using her name, they only say Lieutenant Mannion's wife. Yeah, yeah. Um, panties have to do with death of one man's guilt or another man's. Uh, the death of one man and the guilt or innocence of another man. They never said, you know, because oh, the yeah. laughter about the panties, but not, oh my God, this woman has been raped. Her yeah. panties have been torn yeah. off. We can't laugh because it's about men. Yeah. And there was all the men who were uncomfortable because they were like, well, what can we say? What's another word for panty? Yeah. Is there another word? They had a whole sidebar about it. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard my wife call him anything else. Exactly. Well, I call him underwear. Yeah, un- my underwear. And the fact that her tight skirt and tight sweater came into a play, that has nothing to do with whether... Well, or- everything. Why she was there by herself. Yeah. The what? heels, no stockings. Yeah, no stockings. Why she would drink her like her hair. Even when she like did what he told her to, and was wearing the glasses, and her hair was up, and then they were like, "Let us see your hair." And she does a Vidal Sassoon commercial. <laughs> she sure did. 
Was that all of your bad ones? Those were my negatives that I remember at this time. Yeah, the whole the whole thing of just the the women's rape, how it was just yeah, eh, like it was just not treated with the uh, with the respect that I think that that sort of crime should get, and making her out to be the victim. Mm-hmm. Um, the witness tampering. Like, was it witness tampering? Well, there's that. Because there was that, but then there was also a point when the guy, like, the bartender guy was on trial, was on the, not on trial, was on the witness stand. Yes. And the prosecutor had, he used a word that he hadn't before, and Jimmy Stewart caught him on it and was like, why did you use that word? Is that your own word? And he was like, no. He's like, well, did somebody tell you to? And it was... So, yeah, the prosecution. But then in reading legal people looking at it, they were like, yeah, it, they come close to the line. But that's what, like, lawyers and stuff do all the time. Yeah, and they're just, they like, do. dancing up on that line and yep. stuff. Yeah. Um, and then also with the, the guy at the end who was the, like, the jailbird um, yes. informant. Like, we all have seen that so many times where the guy comes into jail and was like, look... This is what this guy told me, and he's getting a deal, you know, so all of that. So I guess it's kind of a good readable because it still just keeps on going on. Okay, the the panties, when the panties finally show up, they are huge. <laughs> and they're so white. Like, they're so white. They're huge and white and with, a, like, a tear. I'm just like, they have been laundered, thankfully. But were they? Because they came yeah. through the chute. Oh, I thought they had gone in with the sheets and then came out laundered. Because everybody was uh, touching on them. I know, but they just, they seemed, like, I'm like, wow. I think those would be big for me. They're so <laughs> large. Do you remember the time my sister was out visiting you? And somehow you had a pair of my underwear and you were wearing them all whopper jawed with the leg hole as your waist. No, what? Well, yes, of course she had to share with me how huge the panties were. That was... Go on, talk amongst yourselves. Well, I just got thrown under a bus. Like that, I, I was a grown woman and didn't know how to wear underwear. <laughs> I don't even know how to come back from such a thing. Well, well that was from her such story. slander. That was her story. I did. Or, uh, wait, maybe you pulled them up. I probably did because the, I had got. I, uh, we had had the same pair, but they were different, like the same style, but they're different sizes. Yeah. Yes. And it it did make me. I was like, oh, this will be funny, so I'll wear them and then like pull them all the way up. Yeah. 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 It wasn't like, oh, look at, I, that makes no. me sound special, Ma. No, you didn't, no, it wasn't on you. It was on sister on sister, you know, the, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Mary's weird quarter or eighth bang. That was so weird. I did not understand what that was. I'm like, wow, that's a style that never took off. Thank God. It was super weird. Yeah. I couldn't understand But I remember it. seeing it. Like, because you had to commit. You had to cut. 
You had to commit for a long time to yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, and then, yeah, I already mentioned how Ben Ghazari does not like act like an officer in the United States Army. That's true. You're right about that. Those are my I bad. did check a couple times to make sure he was a lieutenant because he did not seem like... Yeah, that. I had quite. I was like, well, my dad's not watching this movie, but I, I definitely had questions. And then his temper and stuff, I'm like, but he would have had to gone... Not through the whole rigorous boot camp, but he was an officer. He had to go through a boot camp. Mm-hmm. And he was a lieutenant, so he wouldn't have... He just had too much of that, like, kind of schmuck machismo that... Bravado. Yeah, that... that Not to say he would have been beaten out of him in the army, but he would have hidden it better. He would have had to, to be yeah. able to keep going. Yeah. Okay, I believe we're to a positive reheatables. Okay. The courtroom. I know. Yep. Agreed. I already said my piece on that, but I thought they did a great job and it held my attention. Um, how much Laura, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Loved the bar. She, she loved it. <laughs> she just seemed like my kind of lady. She, I mean, she's in a she trailer. Loved she loved her bar. She liked her beer. She liked her pinball. She mm-hmm. liked her flirting. Yeah. And her, pa- and her wearing pants. Yes. yes. Those are my positives. Mine was Muffy knowing how to turn on the flashlight and hold his mouth to get Mama back home. Yep. That's a good sidekick. That dog probably knows how to get a beer out of the refrigerator for Probably. Um, Probably how to get vodka out of the freezer. Now that is true. Um, There was so much um, Tini brought it up earlier, but so much sexual content, actual words that were used in this that had never been used in a movie before. Yeah, I was like, oh, this was 1959, and they're kind of talking about like stuff that you would hear on Law and Order SVU. Yeah, like, I know. I couldn't believe how much they were just like saying rape. Yeah, the words were all these words were in this movie in 1959, bitch. Mm, contraceptive panties penetration rape slut and sperm yeah in 1959 and and like other words that strung together you're like oh like to completion and climax and you're just like ooh, yeah um i also have well i had teenies the the murder trial and jimmy stewart as your lawyer yeah. Uh, Eve Arden. She was yeah. great. She was great. And I'm sorry, this Ben Gazzara's eyes. I kind of fell into him a couple times. Yeah, yeah. He had the you know the dark hair, the light eyes. But, but I was remember, I was in love with him back in the 60s. Oh. So you have to remember that. That's right. Okay. Oh, I do remember when we watched The Big Lebowski. You were like, oh. Yeah, Ben Gazzara. Um, mine is the soundtrack. I like the giving beer to the dog. Yeah. And I liked that it was shot on location. I like the outsideness. Like I love the trial scenes and stuff, but I also like that I got a feel that it wasn't just on some lot and and 
you know, the Hollywood back lot that it actually felt like, oh, they're driving. No palm trees there. Yeah. Those are my goods. We are to quotables. Oh, I got a lot. Okay, you guys can go first, and I'll take up whatever you don't hit. Okay. Well, I'll go. Um, one of mine is I make a living, and in the evening, I drink rye whiskey and read law. <laughs> Actually, sounds kind of fun. Um, panties. I never heard my wife refer to them as anything else. <laughs> Uh, and then our favorite, I never met a gin drinker yet that you could trust. <laughs> Ouch. She's like, damn. As I drink gin. Yeah. Thinking of her mother-in-law. Um, as a lawyer, I've had to learn that people aren't just good or bad. People are many things. Mm. Thank goodness. Even gin drinkers. Mm-hmm. And then I almost forgot what this is about, but when... Um, what's her name? The girl from Greece. M- the- maid. Maid. Okay, her. My yeah. So when she's she's always worried about getting paid. She was like, you can't fire me until you pay me. Exactly. And then when she was talking about how she used a new keyboard because her P and her F keys have fallen off. And she said, party of the first party of the first off part often comes out as already of the earth's art. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well done. Um, I like what the guy said. A man gets used to the ways his wife looks. (laughs) Just like, yeah, yeah, let's hope so. so. (laughs) This time in this day and age, I haven't seen makeup in two and a half months. Um, I like or an underwire bra at that point. So. <laughs> I know I'm free now. Ha <laughs> It took it took me 62 days to be like, why am I still doing this? Yeah, I'm wearing a I had all of that except for the the bra. I still had the same bra, and I was just like, man, this is really digging in. What are you doing with it still? <laughs> Yeah, not a, not a highlight of my quarantine. I'm just like, what are you? Unbelievable. I'm so embarrassed of you right now. Yeah, me too. Uh, all right. 12 people go off into a room, 12 different minds, 12 different hearts, 12 different walks of life, 12 sets of eyes, ears, shapes, and sizes. And these 12 people are asked to judge another human being as different from them as they are from one another. And in their judgment, they must become of one mind unanimous. It's one of the miracle of man's disorganized soul that they can do it. And in most instances, do it well. God bless juries. Which, how crazy. Yeah. Everyone here said still, it. I am still sad that I didn't get to be. Yeah. But so I was chosen as an alternate in the end. But I did get to go out for drinks with all of the jury afterwards. Oh. Yeah. They were like, because afterward, I don't know, it was a long time. It was a murder. So they wanted to escort all the jury out together to make sure they left safely, you know, mm-hmm. after the verdict. So. It, they brought me and the other alter, the two other alternates too, and they were like, "Oh, we're going to we're going out for drinks after if you want to come," because we had just spent like two, three weeks, two or three weeks together, you know. Yeah. Right. And um, 
I was like, oh my God, I have to go because I want to know how they got to the decision because it wasn't cut and dry. Mm-hmm. And um, it was interesting because there was one lady in there and she was like, I was the one that was holding everybody up because I just wanted it because he was found guilty. And she was like, I just wanted to make sure, you know, if we're about to like find this guy guilty that right. I was like, oh my God, that's crazy that 12 people have to come to the decision. Yeah, exactly. And then you look at that jury, which was so not diverse. So you think of today when it would be a totally diverse. Oh, yeah. That would be really. Yeah. Because everybody brings their personal. And like, you know, both sides of the. The prosecutors, the defendants are seemingly trying to get two opposite sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People on the jury on the jury. Yeah, and they have to, it's their, it's either the state or it's their client and they have to be able to size people up and, and they have to like prioritize like, all right, who are we getting rid of first? Like right. what's the most important? Right. And then, okay. The, the KKK dude. Yeah. I know. I remember that. sitting there and I was like, oh no, please don't call my name. Or like, please don't call my number. <laughs> they were like, call your number and like, you'd answer questions and they, and then they would be like, all right you're dismissed and i was like oh no please don't do that yeah, yeah. that's what happened to me there was like a whole bunch of them and then like i was an alternate and then they asked a bunch of questions and and you would think that people were like safe and then they would like get picked off and then i would have to go and sit in their spot and then i'm like great now i'm gonna be on this thing and then after something like i hadn't even been asked a question in like a whole day and they were just like you're number seven we thank you and i was just like <laughs> oh what oh. Funny I was number I was number 13. <laughs> You're number seven. Thank you for your service. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh. And then I thought it was crazy because then it was just by how you were sitting. That's how they like that's who had to read the um like the number that you were a juror, I didn't realize like if you're juror number seven, you're juror number seven, and you're sitting in that seat every day. Yeah. And so then, like, juror number one, I guess, is the one who has to read the verdict. So, like, when that all happened, like, she, like, can you imagine? Like, she had to stand up and read, this, like, lady just had to stand up and read a verdict saying that you're guilty of murder. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my other one, and while it might... And while I might appear to doze occasionally, you will find that I am easily awakened, particularly if shaken gently by a good lawyer with a nice point. <laughs> that was what the, the judge said. And and then, like, the thing that you said, how can a jury disregard what they've already heard? And then it was like, they can't. And then I loved it when Eve Arden's character said, my word is my bond. I was like, word is bond! Oh my gosh! She said, where you went? Also, I will say we had a lot of. I'm sorry. I'm just back to back to my jury experience. <laughs> uh, we had a lot of people falling asleep. What? Because it was like we had a lot of doctors that would come in, and and real life, the shit that they go over is mm-hmm. so boring. Oh, my minutia, yeah. Oh my god, and like. I've, it was in January or February that, and because I, I remember there were like a couple snow days, mm-hmm. and so they would have the heat cranked up so much that like it, you get really like when like people would bring like you know your jacket out there and then you get really warm, and like the 
judge would start noticing like the jury nodding off and he'd like call for a break for everybody. And then like yeah. some people that just, we would go into the room and people would be like, if you see me nodding off, just nudge me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cause it doesn't matter if I'm hearing it or not. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. So. And that's why right. you'll hear defense attorney, like the attorneys and stuff. They'll be sort of like, man, we, we can't, it's that balance of like, well, we need to get this information in, but then also like, we can't just bore the jury with this stuff. Right. Like, I remember with OJ with all the DNA stuff, mm-hmm. completely bore the jury with this because it was new and, it, yeah, yeah. Okay, I have some quotables. Uh, the drunk at the in the courtroom. No, I drank it, Your Honor. <laughs> um, and Lee Remick says to says to uh, Jimmy Stewart, do you think I need a girdle? Uh-huh. Uh, there's never a good answer for that. And they said something about French words. Be Oh, because they were talking about panties. Yeah. And somebody said, well, I know a French word, but it sounds kind of risque. And they go, most French words are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somebody said, like women do. You know, something like women do. I forgot in my good reheatable George C. Scott. I like him. The the guy the ringer that they brought in. Was that was a nose. Yeah. I just had a nose. Uh-huh. But like I said it before, he always reminds me of Paul for some reason. Well, there was a nose. Yeah, I guess it's the nose. <laughs> <laughs> well, he also you always know there's something going on behind that he's not saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, those were our quotables MVPs. Let me go back to my torn sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. <gasps> no, I'm not. Oh, wow. Talkst amongst yourself. Oh, there we are. Moment. MVP. <laughs> um, do we want to do MVPs or LVPs first? It's up to you. You're the moderator. LVPs, let's start with negative, end with positive. Okay. My LVP was blaming women for the rape. Mm-hmm. Yes. But my biggest one was never ask a question on the stand you don't know the answer to. Yeah, I think that's that's mm-hmm. a big one in law school. George C. Scott blew it on that one. Mm-hmm. My LVP was the victim blaming as well. Yes. Oh well, my LVP was um, it it was the lieutenant, Lieutenant Marion Mannion. I yeah. just I you hated him. I I didn't like him. I I just didn't buy. I just didn't buy him. I didn't buy his character. I was like, what's this guy's deal? Yeah. I just. I guess like. I mean, when the movie ends, I'm just like, oh, really? Huh. Because I don't know if I would. Like, uh, it was just weird. He was just really weird. He didn't present himself as. There really wasn't anything likable about him. No, he was very unlikable. Yeah. To the end. Just, yeah, just, just kept it going. And then at the end with his little snide note and bailing out. You're just like, well, I think this guy just what got away you? with, like, straight-up murder. Yeah. Yeah. So he just got away with 
with murder. Oh, yeah. We already said spoiler alert. And he he said that like, he was couldn't wait to kick his wife's ass. So Exactly. But she said I'm going to go wait in the car to get my ass kicked. Yeah. I mean, she but again, it all go it all tracks with my theory of this woman who just had a, an abusive life. Yeah. Yes. And and the only thing the reason that we decided that she didn't was because she had this pretty face, this pretty young face on it, you know? Like, yeah. It wasn't like you could look at her and be like, oh, she's been abused her entire life. Like, she put on the, the sheen and stuff of, oh, that's a pretty girl. Some of her eye, her cheek uh, bruise didn't translate well in black and white. No, it looked like a sticker on her face. It looked like uh, a exact. I a thought it looked like it was like a chunk of flesh was taken out. And I was like, and damn. Looked, yeah, I don't know. That didn't. Okay. Mm-hmm. Recasting. No, you didn't do your good MVP. <gasps> oh, you're right. Well, my good MVP well, that's was a drink. Was, that was yeah, a huge yeah. sigh that you did. <laughs> so who was your good MVP, Ma? Jimmy Stewart's piano skills, because he really had them. Oh, I didn't even know that. You're welcome. Mine, I didn't have one, and so I developed it during our talk now. That's frequently done. And um, I'm going to say is Laura is my MVP, and the way that they did her, because I was confused, as I said. I was like, I'm confused by this girl. But now that we talk about it more, I'm like, well, you know what? Trauma doesn't look the same in everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just because someone acts a certain way doesn't mean that they haven't been through some shit. Yeah, exactly. And for 1959, that was a good, I feel like that was. I do wonder though, if that's, if is that how they meant it to be or yeah, if yeah. that's like us well, looking back on that. how they meant it to be mm-hmm. benefit of the doubt. And that's going to be my MVP. Yes. Yes. Yeah. My agree. I agree. My MVP is Maida. Yeah, she was great. Because she, yeah. she was great. She was just there because she had a great one-liners. And she was she was always there, even at the trial and stuff. And she wasn't getting paid. And she was giving out information. And she was doing work and stuff. You called her a secretary earlier, but she was an executive assistant. True that. And I have a question. Mm -hmm. There was one point where Jimmy Stewart mentioned his ex-wife, and I felt like it might be her. Oh, well, I don't know, because at one point she mentions her ex-husband because she was all dubious about him taking the the case because she was like, he's not going to pay. And he's like, well, he's a, a full-time soldier. And she's like, exactly. I was married to one once. They don't have any money. Oh, yeah. But it would have... He would have been in the age... Seven, he yeah. would have been in the war. Exactly. I don't know. There was something he mentioned about an ex-wife. And I just... It was just, you know, just like that lighter. Yeah. Like, there might have been more to it, but they had to cut... Because it was wrong. I think, like, if you're in 1959, you're looking at it like, oh, these two should end up together. But really, the soulmate for Jimmy Stewart's character is Parnell. Yeah. 
Like right. Polly and Parnell are really the love story of this film. That's true. In a non, in a non. Are, are we sure? I'm just saying. He, they, they, they seem like they could have, in a, in a different time. Like if this was the Hollywood version of Anatomy of Murder, Rock Hudson. Yeah, they would have been together because that was the story. Okay. So now we're to recasting. I believe so. Okay, I have three. Three cast? I have three cast. Well, good. I have zero, so great job. <laughs> You're welcome. I have two. Okay, I'm going to go with my, my just straight cast right now. So, <clears throat> in my cast as if it were a cast today... Uh, Paulie had to be the nice guy. Every, you had to like him as a juror mm-hmm. to go with him on all those rants and such. Matt Damon. Oh, yes. Nice every man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see that. Now, McCarthy had to be the one who, you know, he took some, some dips and swerves along the way. The drunk, right? Yeah. Bill Murray. Oh, he would have been a great one. What? Yeah. Well, I was really proud of that. So Laura had to be able to be floozy-ish. Mm-hmm. So I went with Megan Fox. Okay. I was going to say my first instinct, which is unfair to Megan Fox, was that you're asking a lot out of her. But I think that's unfair to her because I don't think that maybe she was has ever been asked a lot of. You know what uh-huh. I mean? Yeah, I do. I was and like, shame on, I, I had like just real did. time shamed myself. Yeah, I feel like she could totally handle that. Yeah, because it's, that would be a great part for her because mm-hmm. it's what she, because I did it myself just now of just people just reducing her of like, well, you're just this. You're just That's a nice. fluff piece. Yeah. But what's where's the substance? She's kind of a fluff piece. And, and we don't yeah. Uh, okay. So, okay, so my manny had to be a jerk that you just don't like. Oh yeah. Casey Affleck. Yeah. Would you like another of mine or would you like to stick one of yours in? Here? Oh, I'll stick one of mine in here. All right. So my beagler, you need somebody who you just believe that, you know, they, you really need that Jimmy Stewart je ne sais quoi, but Mm -hmm. you need it when they're not past their prime, but they're aging into that role. Much as like, like Paul Newman when he was in the verdict, you know? (sighs) So you're thinking of that, this guy that... And he's talented and somebody who can play off. Um, because part of this, like us watching in the modern times, we're like, oh, it's Jimmy Stewart. But part of like the real trial and all of that was that this is the Upper Peninsula and mm-hmm. it was being prosecuted by these city slickers, you know, from down south. So they thought they were just going to walk over this hick. So you need exactly. somebody who kind of has like a hickishness, but yep. that is like secretly smart because people have been doubting and then also likes fishing and fly fishing 
and you're just willing to go with them and just watch a movie with them. So Beagler would be Brad Pitt. I like that. Mm-hmm. So then for the wife, Laura, this actress, she's probably like I've mentioned her before. Haley Lou Richardson. Because she could just do all of the like, like very Lee Remick and you'll just like believe everything. Um, what has she been in? Eyes are in the movie Support Our Girls or Support the Girls. She's blonde. She's just very effervescent, like a great actress. So she would like the looks part. You would be like, oh, yeah, she's really pretty. But then she would also, you know, do the different layers and stuff of the role. That would be interesting for I went a different direction with the Lieutenant Mannion. Instead of him being like unlikable, I went with him like actually being kind of likable and uh, like believing that he was actually in the military, but young. So I went with Glenn Powell. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. For Parnell, I went with Larry David. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. <laughs> oh, that was it. For Dancer, the the George C. Scott character, I just... I cheated because I'm watching Defending Jacob. So I went with Pablo Schreiber. The, you know, the, the tall district attorney guy. Yeah. yeah. And for Maida, my Maida for this is Christine Baranski. Yes. Yeah. Although I kind of feel bad because she's like played a lawyer for so long that that she might look down upon being the executive yeah, secretary. That's true. But yeah. that was just like that. So that was that's my one cast. Which is why I went with a totally female cast. Totally female. Ah. So Polly is female, McCarthy is female, Laura's female, and Manny is female. So who, like, just the, the females were raping each other? Well, yeah. I mean, it could happen. Yes. Alaska. Okay. Okay, so my Polly, speaking of someone who has played a lawyer many times, Glenn Close. Ooh. Ah, she would be. She would have so much fun being Polly too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to her, McCarthy, I have Kathy Bates. Uh huh. I'm making fun of Mac. <laughs> so my Laura is Lucy Hale. Lucy Hale. You would know her if you watched. Pretty Little Liars. Oh, okay. So my Manny to that, the the lesbian couple, Lucy Hale and Kristen Stewart. Mm. Oh, okay. Okay. Is that it? You have another cast? I do. I do as well. Oh, well, do you want to do me? Sure, I'll do my, my, um, my cast of, okay, so my Polly, you know, as you said, had to be a, um, a, um, person who could be a lawyer. Okay, Dennis Haysbert. Oh, nice. Yeah, because likable. Uh-huh. 
So his McCarthy is Wendell Pierce. She. Oh, that's funny, Ma. Okay. Mm-hmm. He wasn't that the guy that said that, but yeah. He wasn't. No, he was bunk. He was bunk. Yeah. I thought he he said no, she. No, the senator somewhere. was the one that was like she. Okay, so my Laura is a little bit of an older woman. Mm-hmm. To my younger Manny. Jada. Okay. Well, black don't crack, so. Yeah, exactly. So my Manny to her is Romany Malco. Is it Malco? Oh, yeah, the guy from Weeds. I loved him. Yeah, Milkweed. The Milkweed dude. Ah, yes. Yeah, I loved him. You're welcome. All right. Well, my cast, my my Polly Beagler is Sterling K. Brown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My Laura is Laura Harrier, who is in Hollywood. She plays the woman that's cast as Meg. I forget what her name Mm. is. The black actress. Oh, wow. Okay. So then my lieutenant, her husband, is the guy that plays Michael Mando, the guy that plays Nacho on Better Call Saul, Ignacio. Remember Better Call Saul, Nacho? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Okay. 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 My Parn is also from The Wire, Clark Peters. Who was he? He, who was the guy? He was one of the police officers and stuff. And we saw him when we went in real life. We're at the oh, outlet. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. And so then my dancer is actually Wendell Pierce, the George C. Scott. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then my Mida for this, again, is tipping my cap to defending Jacob, is Betty Gabriel. You know, the place, the detective. Okay, yeah. Defending Jacob that she, I was like, she. Yeah, she's good. Mm -hmm. So there you have it. Well, there you have it. We have several recastings. This could be remade in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Okay, tasty nuggets. I already shared all of mine on accident in Nerd Alerts (laughs) in the wrong section. I'm so sorry. No, that's fine. Jimmy Stewart's father did not like this movie. He said it was a dirty, dirty picture, picture. And put an advertisement in the newspaper for people not to go see it because they have words like penetration and rape and sperm and contraceptive. I wonder what he thought of Vertigo <laughs> then. The Laura role was originally supposed to be Lana Turner. Mm-hmm. But hello, Lana wanted all of her gowns to come from Jean-Louis. From you may remember from last week's Pillow, pillow Talk. Mm-hmm. And Otto Preminger went, Laura is not wearing gowns. Yeah, no, you can just change the character. That ain't working. So go away and I'm going to get me a Lee Remick in here. Mm-hmm. Um, this was Jimmy Stewart's last Oscar nomination and George C. Scott's first Oscar nomination. Oh, interesting. The interior of Barney Quilt's bar 
But the Lumberjack Tavern was actually the interior of the Big Bay, Michigan, in Big Bay, Michigan, where the real murder took place. Damn, so they Ooh. really filmed, filmed in there? As it said maybe they took the interior from there. They uh, copied it. Copied maybe. It, maybe. Yeah. This film was banned in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, the lieutenant's uniform said that he earned a Purple Heart, a Bronze Star, and a Silver Star. Yeah, that was one of the things that I forgot to kind of go into and look up because he was a veteran of Korea. So yeah. he had been in combat situations and I think he's even cross-examined or examined on the stand asking him about that because it's like, well, you've been in stressful situations before. Right. And you didn't and now you're just reacting like this. Yes. Yeah. And this is what made you snap, which. But it could happen. This yeah. is because it's, it's a different compartment. It Remember, men's brains have compartments. Ours are all, all our doors are open. So it's intercompartmentalized. But men, this is my wife. This is war. This is, you know? Yeah, I, I know. But to get a silver star, you had to have been extremely heroic. And he doesn't see, well, I guess he could seem hero heroic. He could because he's just... He seems like he can disengage from whatever is happening. He seemed like he was done with the army. Like he seemed now. Well, now I'm rewriting it in my mind where I'm giving him his backstory of like he maybe he's like he saw war. He was in the Korean War. He saw the shit. And now he's just like, like, you know, because they did laugh. At, that was a bad reheatable when they laughed at the jury laughed at him when they said like, oh, well, didn't you have any other, like, thoughts and stuff? And he was like, yeah, my one thought was getting out of here and going home. And they yeah. laughed at him. But it's like, that's what you would think about if you were at war, I would think. Right. It's like, I don't want to be here. And so maybe that's why he was, like, all laid back because he was, maybe he was just, like, you know, middle finger deuces up to the whole thing of because of just the carnage that he had seen and all his buddies blown to bits over yeah. what? been through it all for absolutely nothing now there's yep. like a, a a demilitarized zone and it wasn't even a war but it was a war and so that it's and it's still ongoing and the whole mess yeah. that the korea war thing is yeah those were all of my tasty nuggets um so yeah i i guess because several locations were shot in the upper peninsula some Thunder Bay, one block from the Lumberjack Tavern, which mm -hmm. was decided real murder. It was not so here are the Oscar nominations. It didn't win any Oscars, but James Stewart, like you said, was nominated for Best Actor. Charlton Heston won. Uh Best Supporting Actor for Bo Charlton Heston won for what? We'll get to it. Oh. For um Arthur O'Connell and George C. Scott for Best Supporting, Best Cinematography, Black and White, Best Editing, Best Adapted Screenplay, and it was nominated for Best Picture, along with The Diary of Anne Frank, The Nun Story, A Room at the Top, and the winner was that year was Ben-Hur. Um, I already mentioned how his father... Oh! Otto Preminger sued Columbia Pictures and the T its TV subsidiary Screen Gems for $10 million because 
this was part of a, a 60 movie package and when it was shown in new york on abc the film was interrupted 13 times for 36 commercials and preminger was furious that they um mutilated his film he didn't win the case he lost um and yeah we already said like how the daughter in real life sued well like Tini said you said it's a great courtroom drama it's just one of the classics you should just watch yeah it is with Jimmy Stewart I mean yeah it's Duke Ellington yes yes so if you like law and you like great music this is it if you're like if you're caught up on your date lines might as well watch this and you're the Duke uh, Law and Orders, SVUs, SUVs, and just Law and Order. Then watch this Anatomy of a Murder. We got it on iTunes, and you can also get it on Prime Video. We also got it on Amazon Prime Video. <laughs> yes, we did, but we're not going into those particulars. Next week is uh, Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. So we are going to do, uh, we're going out of order. I asked Tini if it's okay if I took her turn, and she was fine with it. Do that. I get to I guess? Do my homework. Do I get to guess? Go ahead, Erin. You know what it is. Is it? Do I? Oh, no, I don't. Guns of Navarone? Yes, it is. <laughs> my daddy loved this movie, Guns of Navarone. I haven't even looked to make sure we can get it on iTunes. I'm pretty sure that we can get it on iTunes. But uh, it's it's a it's a good war World War II movie. Oh my god! You picked another another two hours and thirty eight minutes. It's so good though, Tini. It's really worth it. Nineteen sixty one. Who all was in it? Um, we have Gregory Peck, Anthony Quinn, yes. Gia Scalia, yeah. David Nevin. It looks like it's on iTunes. Uh, Richard Harris. Really? It uh, has to be a very young Richard Harris. Olivia de Havilland. Hello. Mar- Marcelo Mastriani. Yeah, he's fresh. Huh. Well, I don't know. I just it it is a warm place in my heart because my father and I used to watch it a lot. So, so it's World War Two. World War Two. Nice. Guns of Navarone. I've wanted to do this since Gone with the Bushes started. Yep, it's on iTunes and Amazon Prime. And you know what, Tini? I think we can give our um, our veterans. Two hours and how many minutes? Thirty-eight. Well, it's shorter than this week's. That's true, but two full minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, people are gonna get real upset one day when I pick Lawrence of Arabia. But I love Lawrence of Arabia. Okay, okay, but not this week. Gun <laughs> Navarone. We hope you enjoyed our courtroom drama, Anatomy of a Murder. Mad and we hope you join us next week for Guns of Navarone. It's a the Guns of Navarone. I just looked to double check. The Guns, the of, Navarone. Guns of Navarone. 
It's these big ass guns. Whoa, I wonder. This. I wonder if the gents will join us. I it's. I would think so, cause it's a war movie. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. We got people speaking German, and my daddy could translate for me what they said. Well, you Nina. wouldn't. You wouldn't know if he was correct or not. I wouldn't. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Well, there you go, listeners. There you go. Bye bye. Bye.